You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we're building a health and fitness resource by trying to answer a single question every week, just based on what we already know. Or maybe what we think we know. Then we bring in the world's leading expert to tell us what we got right and what we got wrong. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Um, so like... Okay, we're Social media is the the list of them, and I talk about this as like a business. I'm no businessman, but as a businessman, when I'm talking to different companies, or you know, I've dealt with Reebok, Barber Brigade, Rogue, obviously companies I've worked with in the past, my own company branding, this podcast, mm-hmm. and I talk about like not like priorities, but depth of connection through uh, different social medias. Um, and for me, because I like to quote unquote these words fucking suck now because everyone uses them but I like to be raw I like to be organic I like to be authentic Eddie, Eddie Murphy yeah yeah I love Eddie Murphy the, the Eddie Murphy com- stand up comedy I had some terrible high school years uh, I'm all over the spot right now I had my first cup of coffee in like two months oh my yeah and it's like homemade and I really fucking make some coffee so uh, I was talking to my therapist and me and Jim are just talking about our therapist on this podcast now but uh, I said like I said like high school sucked for me uh it, like it, you know, like it did for everybody, and she yeah. like looked at me. She's like, "It doesn't suck for everybody." Well, I was like, "Well, that's news to me. It really <laughs> fucking sucked." And uh, and it like didn't totally suck, but there were, it was like some dark times for me. And Eddie Murphy, like that's when my best friend's dad, I think, introduced us to a bunch of that stuff. So I started watching like old Eddie Murphy, um, oldish Chris Rock, because obviously mm-hmm. it's relative. I graduated two thousand seven, uh, and the Chris Rock stuff's more like ninety nine or something. Uh, but the Eddie Murphy stuff's older. Absolutely, some of the best uh, stand-up comedy. You guys should go watch it. It's still super relevant and still make you laugh now. Priority of social medias, and because I like to be authentic and, and raw, uh, you know, I always put podcasts first. It's an typically forty-five minutes to who knows how long oh, yeah. of someone very, very slightly edited, depending on the type of show you're listening to. This show, we dabble in editing if we mess something up, which is very rare. And then inserting our ads. That's the only editing we do for you guys. Um, I don't, you know, quick cut anything. Beyond that, um, I, I actually, first actually, I would say live stream. Because you literally can't edit. Mm-hmm. And the connection you feel with people, how you guys get a taste of who I am. Um, Twitch, obviously, is like the biggest platform. But there's a bunch coming up right now, which is maybe a topic we should even tackle here one day. Um, YouTube, I heard, is doing, throwing billions of dollars into a live stream version of themselves but they've never been good at it yeah they're they're throwing more money than ever um but yeah they've always failed but uh so live stream podcast then probably youtube just because it is a little bit longer format i mean 10 minutes isn't much and some people uh you guys may have experienced this jim and i have experienced this many times they aren't who they are on their videos um whether they be more entertaining on youtube or sound smarter or whatever it's because they're chopping the living shit out of their thing um and then beyond that there's instagram where no one is as cool as they seem on instagram whoever you guys are following and you think is dope they're probably not dope myself included i'm lame i sit at home all day play video games and i talk into a microphone i'm not that cool um but i also don't try to portray myself as per se cool or living the dream on instagram mm-hmm. i'm not posing with my car and et cetera, et cetera. but we were just talking off air uh, about tiktok 
And although I'm very reluctant to start a TikTok because everyone says it's just for kids or whatever, I do think it'll expand. Um, I mean, where did Facebook start? Literally, the beginning of Facebook, you could not join unless you were right. in college. Uh, and then now, who's the majority user of Facebook? It's probably 40 year olds to 60 year olds, oh, I would yeah. imagine. Is the, yeah, is yeah. The, um, and so there's, there's always going to be a market. It's always going to change, it's always going to expand. But what I enjoy about TikTok, opposed to, which is like an everyday app, I think there's everyday apps compared to like, once a week apps or one, you know, like podcast is a once a week deal. Typically, mm. you know, YouTube's a once a day, maybe like Instagram, people are probably opening every three hours or something on average. TikTok's that type of app. Um, and what I do think as much as I know about it and I don't is that it rewards like real creativity. Uh, it rewards like quote unquote talent. It re- rewards like real content. Um, and even iTunes and other platforms, Instagram for sure not, YouTube for sure not. Um, I can't think of a platform. Twitch kind of, but not really. Uh, no platform at this moment uh, rewards real talent or content. Where back in the day, YouTube kind of did. Uh, I feel like like it would start to highlight people that got a lot of likes or highlight mm-hmm. things that were you know li- uh, viewed a lot. Um, Instagram kind of does, but not really. Like it's just... It's, the algorithm's all fucked. Um, iTunes does nothing for the, the creator, really, in the scheme of things. Um, their ranking system is unknown. Uh, so, you know, they're obviously yeah, super not... super questionable. Yeah, no one knows what's going, going on. on there, yeah. yeah, whether it's paid or who knows <clears> what's <throat> going on. And there's cheats through the whole thing. And then even Twitch, I think, if you do it long enough, talent is always found. Um, but you can get buried really easily there because there's so many people and, and you kind of have to randomly come across people it's kind of like youtube now you have to randomly find a channel uh and then click on it and enjoy it uh, there's no real there's <clears throat> there's searchability but there's not like discoverability no it's not th- that great i think we are we're living in the world of micro audiences and huge macro audiences now and there's yeah. not a whole lot in between yeah especially in <clears throat> twitch is one of the, the biggest um examples that i think like there's some people with uh, you know, a hundred viewers that are making a living uh, and mm. they're enjoying it, and they they it got depends support. Depends on what it is. Yeah, one hundred percent. But then, and then there's very few with five hundred, six hundred viewers, and then there's the top dogs, the ninjas, et cetera, et cetera, with twenty thousand people watching them. And podcasts are probably similar. You know, we're 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 top little guy mm. uh, here. You know, but then there's obviously like the serial killer or mur- making murderer or whatever these shows, uh, how how they built it or whatever that are all mm. obviously sponsored by. Or is produced by huge companies, um, the Joe Rogans, et cetera, that are top of the top. It, it, it's kind of sad, but it's kind of like our economics is kind of what uh, content turns into. Where the you know we got the one percenters, the middle class is starting to disappear. Yep. Uh, and so That's we're how it always works. Yeah, man. it kind of does. And and I don't. That is interesting. Uh, I wish someone was way smarter than me uh, could piece together a content creator's uh, following. <laughs> And then, like, general capitalism in America, and I'm not anti-capitalist by any means, but uh, yeah, it does sound like they're very very similar. Maybe that's human nature, because everyone blames, like, how our, our businesses and things are set up and taxes are set up, why that happens. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, that doesn't relate to how the content works, but the content seems to work similarly. Yeah, and you know what's funny about, about podcasts and about YouTube and all that stuff is that some people say that you have to, um, you have, to have everything set up right. You have all the right equipment. And uh, if you produce good content, people will find you. Not necessarily true. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the other, uh, and those people don't want to do social media. And then there's the flip side of that where it's it's all social media. And I can't really tell that it makes that much difference one way or the other, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's there's just a certain, th- we're, we've reached the point that, that there's a certain thing about like celebrity and people who have been banging the drum for 
a really long time. And, and you know, <laughs> this is something that, that I just heard um, Harbinger say on his podcast, that if I were more into myself, I would be more successful. Yeah, because... I mean, that's all this, right? Like celebrity style or, or like Hollywood, YouTube, fitness, they're all different categories. But like one common thing is like it's probably just all full of narcissists. Like, Well, here's the, th- here's the thing. Bodybuilding, like think yeah. of it like when, when I Instagram. Hear, yeah, <laughs> all of it. When I hear somebody say, oh, this person's done so much for whatever sport or interest, industry or whatever, how many times do those people do those things for purely altruistic reasons? Yeah. Like not with a profit motive? <laughs> Almost never. No, zero, zero, zero. I, one, I, I honestly don't believe in like true altruism. I think like even me, and I think I'm a good person, I'll do something and, and the percentages broke up, whatever, 70, 30 or whatever. Like true altruism is just, I think, not there. I, I honestly, and maybe that's because I'm a jaded piece of shit, but like I don't think it's there. But in the instances you're talking about, and again, celebrities, Hollywood, um, fitness, YouTube, podcast, whatever, like it just goes to zero for me. Like I don't think anyone gives a shit. Uh, and again, that might just be jaded Mike and angry Mike, but the type of people that these type of industries attract, and even me, when I think about it, like people ask what I do and it, and I say it jokingly, but I mean it. I'm like, I put my face on the internet and for some reason people watch me. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's wild to me still daily. Like this is what I do do I think I have something to say in a voice? Do I think I'm kind of entertaining and have some knowledge over the last 10 years? Yeah, maybe. But like, I'm no different than every single person listening. And that's the honest truth. Where if you ask 90% of people, like they think they're something mm-hmm. insanely special. And the truth is they're not. Like maybe they have bigger biceps than some of the listeners. Maybe, they, you know, maybe they lift a little bit more weight, but like. Maybe they've been really, really lucky in a lot of categories. Everyone has a bit of luck. I had a shit ton of luck, you know, like timing, luck whatever we got in early i thought this stuff was cool early i've i've worked my tail off no doubt like i put out you know me and jim combined have put out insane amounts of content like a lot last year and that's part of the burnout i'm dealing with as a human right now like i was working like 80 hours a week yeah. i was doing 40 hours a week just twitch yeah right and then we had this podcast we were launching mm-hmm. <clears throat> which who knows the hours you put in more than me because you're doing all the editing but we're putting in hours recording scheduling guests then my youtube then my real companies that make some money uh you know like like insane hours so yeah uh we worked for it whatever bullshit but uh the point is is a lot of it was timing when youtube wasn't fucked up algorithm wise and fitness was um kind of going through a uh, revolution of strength and people are trying to figure out the barbell and stuff Mm -hmm. uh we started putting out some educational content uh podcast wise and whatever but point being we're angels and everybody else fucking sucks. <laughs> They're all narcissists. <laughs> We're speaking of therapists. My therapist told me last week that I'm smart and um, and unlikable. So I, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah I think he was angling for a hug because nobody ever does anything for free. But, uh, yeah, there, there, and there, I was paying him. But there, there is there is attributes why everyone makes it. And that's like something, shout out to Omar. Him and I are haters, <laughs> but we're very analytical. And so like just in random conversation, we'll start looking at different people and not only in fitness, just on Instagram, YouTube, podcasts. And we like to look at why they're successful and mm. what they do well because everyone, no one gets somewhere for no reason. There's, there's not that much luck. No one gets to get any kind of following or listener base or fan base by having no attributes. Um, no luck in the world will take some talentless mm-hmm. and make you a podcast host. Uh, it doesn't happen. There's always something and uh, you can always learn from other people. But my point being is that I don't know where my, Oh, TikTok is organic <laughs> is what my real point was. And 
most of these people who are telling you they're organic are not organic. It's all the fucking facade kids. Why Why do you say that TikTok is organic? I just think that... Because uh, I don't know anything about how it's so, all So uh, most of it's like to music or something, so you're not really talking, so you can't like uh, bullshit people. Oh, okay. All these oh other, okay. Right? So these other people are, are just putting on their abs on the internet and taking three days to write an okay caption, and they're just duping you uh, by their looks. Heaven and, forbid that anybody should ever post a picture without a long-ass caption. Yeah, yeah. That's, Someone said that's that was, where we are with uh, Instagram right now. I don't know why I got caught up in this weird world of Twitter and some like chick or somebody's like, oh, enough with the really long captions on Instagram already and I responded I said I need a long caption because I'm ugly and like <laughs> <laughs> they got a couple likes because because it's just the truth like everyone else on Instagram you, if you're a hot chick or a hot dude you just post a picture and you're gonna grow I'm no model I'm just fucking I gotta caption it out but TikTok's organicness I think just comes from the creativity of the video you can make um, a lot of it's humor based mm-hmm. but some of it's just like cool or whatever um, and so hopefully it seems like the growth uh, in the platform's organic-ish right now. They're not. It doesn't seem like they're money hungry yet, uh, or a huge corporation. So coming twenty twenty, my TikTok gonna <laughs> be dancing around like an idiot, like a fucking monkey. <laughs> Excuse me, not that you are don't already dance, but it's I not. know. But not. It's sometimes it just feels so forced. Uh, it doesn't feel forced. I don't do it when I don't want to do it. But like how people ask about it or request oh, yeah. it, it just feels so. I feel like a fucking caged animal. Well, it's it's a handle that everybody has. It's like, yeah. okay, this is how yeah. this is how I'm grabbing onto Mike's content today. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan of his dancing yeah, for and, whatever reason. Yeah, people know? do like the, the the most probably the most feedback I've ever gotten in ten years of shit we've done uh, is that yeah, it makes people smile. I'm like, that's great. Like, just fucking laugh at me and make your day better. I'll do it. I'll do it for that. I'll sacrifice it. Oh man. Well, <clears throat> topic of the day. Completely unrelated topic of the day. Eastern medicines, I guess. Um, particularly as they relate to um, physical therapy. And, f- and recoverability. And recover. Uh, 2000, whatever, 16 games, I guess. Uh, Brazil. Maybe it was the one before that. Maybe, Maybe it was, it was London. London, London uh, it went crazy with uh, these type of things. The other one uh, that we didn't spitball but we can bring up is kinesio tape mm. uh kinesio tape cupping in particular i think those two because of the american volleyball team was all kinesio taped out and uh michael phelps had these uh blood marks all over him from mm-hmm. bruises from cupping uh it feels like not only our industry but the gen pop uh went absolutely wild with um these type of modalities for athletes and uh they've been around obviously forever uh i think they stem from china probably ancient ancient times um and we talked a little bit i think with jordan shallow about some of them and his basic answer was uh if they've been around that long he thinks there's something to them uh but he didn't have much else so we have uh dr teddy coming on and he's going to dig into them and i personally don't have much experience to be honest uh i was really into recovery and all these type of things when I really got into lifting, you know, when I was 20, 21, but, uh, I would do some stretching, I'd maybe do like a, a hot bath or a cold bath. And then I, I, uh, took every legal supplement under the sun to try to get better, you know, like yeah. it, I'm just sipping amino acids after dinner, trying to pray that I, I can lift more weight, but, um, I've never been cupped. Uh, I hate needles, so I've never done acupuncture or needling. Dry needling is kind of weird. It's like kind of illegal in California or very not popular. It's hard to find anybody to do dry needling. I think doctors do it here, where yeah. other places anybody, or not anybody, but like a master's <clears> can, or a certificate can get you to do it. Um, I guess those are the main three that come to my mind, at least that 
I know lifters still use regularly. Mm -hmm. Some kind of cupping, some kind of dry needling or acupuncture. And people do swear by it, but as we know, um, or maybe we'll dig in more in another episode, like placebo effect is insanely strong. Yeah, I have done cupping. I actually have a set of cups that cost me 20 bucks on, on Amazon. It's not that big a deal. It's just hard to do on yourself. Uh, yeah, you but could probably do like your quad and anything it, else is hard. Yeah, well, and, I, and what I need to work on is my neck and, and trap and stuff. And it, and it is very difficult to get in position and it is particularly difficult to get it on tight enough to get them, you know, the the cups sucked down enough and then go through the range of motion that you need to to actually make them kind of work. It, think about it this way. If, um, if you ever had ART. Yeah, that I've had. Okay, so you know how they have... they. They pin muscle down, and then you go through a range of motion, yeah, yeah. and that's supposed to whatever. Think of cups as as like somebody's thumb pinning something down. Yeah, and I think that's the general theory, right? <laughs> uh, it's like literally the opposite of that. Like we've never had been able to thing to pull open. We've only been able to push open, yeah. and so the vacuum is trying to pull that open. Uh, you know, and, and it just comes down to me that like. All these things are like triggers to our brain to tell an area. All these things tighten up, lock up, mm-hmm. because our brain senses some kind of pain or potential injury there, and so they lock up to protect it. And then all these modalities hopefully send a signal to our brain uh, to tell us to chill out. It's safe there, right? That's why you're putting pressure on these things. You're mm-hmm. rubbing out a knot. You're not actually rubbing out a knot. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe there is something to cupping, et cetera, et cetera, but like how people explain it or how they think it works is just wrong. And we'll hopefully have Teddy have some science to back that up. But like, same as a foam roller. Uh-huh. You know, it's called myofascial release. Like, you're not actually, like, rubbing your fascia. Like, you are, but it's not molding it. No. Like, if you, you can't... You're, you're, you're not really breaking down scar tissue. Because yeah, that, you're not that pliable. Yeah. Like, we're, we're pretty tough beings. Uh, yeah. It takes, you know, a bullet to break through our fascia. Like, it's not going to just do it with a piece of foam over 10 minutes. Um, but what it might do is it might send a signal to your head that this area is safe. And then some of the pain signals that you're getting from those knots or, or tightness might mm-hmm. disappear. But it is interesting um, because it's so it, – it's not interesting to me, but it is interesting because so many people do these things. Like, it's a huge industry. Like, the, like the money involved with, like, even just selling foam rollers. Like, every company yeah. started to sell a foam roller for a yeah. reason because it was profitable. profitable. Um, they can't be that, that hard to make. No. They're really sh- easy to imprint your yeah, or, or sell a PVC pipe. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying they're completely useless, but, like, to me, again, like, they're pretty useless. Like, I think you can get much of the similar effects – um, by doing like insanely lightweight uh, resistance training, like mm-hmm. say it's a trap neck thing, um, not yours because yours is like an injury, but like you have a knot, like just do a hundred yeah. face pulls with ten pounds, or like yeah. band pull aparts, and like it'll probably feel a little bit better. Um, and if you're just trying to feel better, I just think there's so many things. Go for a fucking walk if you have a quad. If you if I have anything issue with my quads, I just ride my bike, and like mm-hmm. it nearly fixes everything after a half an hour bike ride. Well, I mean, basically all these things change the sensation. Yeah, and, and if you change the sensation, sometimes you can bring relief. That's right, and and I think majority of these, and and we'll get Teddy's point on it too. Um, but um, they're they're not to fix injuries. You don't do cupping to fix an injury. You do you know a cupping to fix a, a little bit of pain or, or kind of these tweaks. Um, but if you have like an injury, injury, no one's saying cup this thing. Right. So then, to me, it's all just like icing on a cake. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you're not injured, like injured, like you break your arm, you're getting a cast. You're not you're cupping it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to me, I think I would, and, and I do, I think, I don't know if it was on this podcast or because Jordan Shallow uh, has worked with me and some of my issues, um, some of my tweaks. Um, 
he's always talking about trying to fix things like internally before externally. And that just has always made more sense to me. Mm, like yeah. there's, there's an issue with my quad, me putting my fist into it is going to do 1% of the actual stimulus than me doing like quad extensions or going, getting blood from the inside, like making that muscle move. Like, right. Uh, the only other one in between there, uh, I think is muscle stim. And I do think that's very interesting and more science will come out on it because that is a little bit of both, obviously. It's something that I've, you know, I've liked and experienced before, and and thought that it did something for me. And other times, I felt like it didn't do anything yeah. at all. Yeah, sometimes it just feels like a massage, and it feels good. And and when you go in for PT, pretty much anywhere, it's like ice and stim. So yeah, yeah. I don't like. Yeah, I, and is I'm that not a giant f- fan of ice, and and I'm not the biggest fan of stim either. Um, it can help, but it, I I just don't even know that doing it routinely makes that much much difference. Uh, we were talking about acupuncture too, and I've seen acupuncture work. It doesn't mean it was not um, placebo, but yeah. I've seen it totally work. Back, back, you know, five years ago when um, my boy Will got injured and he was at, um, at Walter Reed, they have like acupuncture, acupuncturists that come in and help people who are having serious pain issues that are not being well controlled by, by the drugs. And his particular problem is that he just could not sleep. Yeah. Like, he had a super traumatic event happen in a faraway time zone, and he was um, dragged in to um, uh, back to the States, and so disoriented. Yeah. Uh, body he- clock upside down, and then constantly being attended to, not a lot, left alone long enough to go to sleep for several weeks. And it gets to the point where he just couldn't sleep at all. And his it, his his instance is obviously like so extreme. Like he went through so much like physical, mental things that none yeah. of us can comprehend. PTSD. And yeah, times a billion. Survivor guilt. Yeah, I think uh, in any instance you can scale that, and and not to compare. But if you do have a sprained ankle that's mm-hmm. keeping you from something. I'm not saying don't try everything. Mm-hmm. Like, try everything. Like, his instance is so extreme. Like, he has to try every, hit it from every angle. Mm-hmm. But even if you do have a busted ankle, like, sure, try every angle if you really want to try. Like, you're not going to kill it if it's just a sprained ankle by icing it, then heating it, then stimming it, then cupping it. Like, I don't really care. But my personality always, when I decide and choose to tackle something, I want to tackle it the most efficient way, the most optimal way, and I don't want to BS. Um, some of these things are expensive, so if money's an issue for you, then yeah, like you yeah. probably want to be optimal efficient too, and hopefully those are the uh, answers we'll get you right now. Uh, I will say that the, the the acupuncturist that came in, he would be like awake and fidgety and stuff, and she'd go in and put like three needles in his forehead, and he'd be out like yeah. a light. It is interesting. So, it is interesting. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to go. Next one, we're talking Eastern type medicines i don't even know if that's proper term someone's gonna get mad at me i always misspeak eastern but. <laughs> interventions like there's say, a there's a tribe here that you're gonna this, someone's gonna that. get pissed off. i swear it, i'd probably piss off quest because i don't <laughs> anyway uh so we're talking <laughs> cupping we were talking about um 
the the weirdness again of these layers of uh, wokeness. I'm, I'm probably gonna get flamed for saying that word. It's not cool anymore, anyways. But the gen pop, what they think is happening or cool, then kind of the intermediate YouTube wannabe coaches, and then maybe like the the maybe there's four layers. Then there's the kind of athletes that have kind of been doing this and they're strong and they kind of know what's going on. And then there's like these masterminds of mm-hmm. people that I think are actually reading research, etc. And that's why we chose you as a guest. You're this deep <laughs> deep circle. Um, but the London Olympics. The, the volleyball team's wearing KT oh tape and the world's on fire. Mm. Uh, Michael Phelps has these hickeys all over him, and people are thinking that he's, you know, cheating and super, <clears throat> super recovered. In um, a relationship with an octopus. Yeah, but that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, uh, right as we did this episode, uh, shout out to, it, it's, it's going to be late, but shout out to my boy Bart. It's his birthday, but he just posted, and he's cupped all over in this birthday <laughs> picture. Um what 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 are some of the applications of these things? Uh, is there any research on them? We'll we'll tackle as many or as few as you want, but the the ones that come to our minds that people really get behind, I think, are cupping, some kind of acupuncture, and uh, dry needling, which I know is somewhere in the ballpark of acupuncture. Tape. Yeah, and KT yeah. tape too. Uh, even though I just don't even want to talk about KT tape, I'll just debunk that. Put some fucking masking tape on your fucking muscles and tell me you get stronger. <laughs> but uh, we can tackle them all. What do you think about cupping? Where do these things stem from? Do you use them? I know that's a lot so, of questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll so I, I'll cover them one by one. Uh, you know, with cupping, I don't use cupping. I never have. Um, when before I was a physical therapist, I worked under and kind of learned from a guy that did. And so I, you know, I my opinions on these things have changed over time. At, at a point in time, I thought to myself, "Well, what's the harm? It's you know, if it if it provides somebody with a stimulus to help them maybe feel a little bit better." There's no problem with that. But then I've kind of evolved to, you know, I want to make the best use out of my time with the people I work with. And I don't think that's the best use of our time. So, I, uh, you know, from a physical therapy practice standpoint, I prefer to provide people with load management education, with different exercises and approaches that we can kind of help them to, uh, you know, teach them into fish instead of just having them come in and, and me work on them, so to speak. Um, but that is a big part of PT, too. You know, the, the reality with cupping or any of these real these Eastern medicine type of modalities is that they can create a physical change in the way that we feel, but they do not create a change in the actual state of the tissue. So they do tap into our mechano, mechanoreceptors, our proprioceptors. They, they can create a spinal-mediated reflex where there is some decrease of pain. You know, we do see a, a cascade of of pain relieving, uh, you know, whatever that thing happens when we kind of, you know, you think about it, you rub on your knee when it hurts and it like feels a little better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We have this whole cascade of pain relieving mediators and neurotransmitters and all these fancy words. But at the end of the day, you end up right back where you started from, you know, does it pass the parking lot test? Does it last for the long term? and cupping in a lot of these different things? They just don't really create this long-term change. So that's where somebody like myself, who's a very Western medicine focused practitioner, will sometimes, uh, you know, allow the frustration of Instagram to get the best of me and bash one of these things. Um, at the same time, if you have the, the, the resources and the time and you know practitioners that do this stuff and you enjoy it, I'm not going to hate you for it. You know, like it's, it's still okay, but it shouldn't replace Western medicine. And if it's, if it's championed under the guise of it's been, they, we've been doing it for a long time, you know, we've been doing it for since 1500 BC. It's like, that doesn't mean that it 
that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's you the know? same argument People, as like keto diets and cavemen. <laughs> like just because they didn't know better doesn't mean we can only yeah, eat berries like, and meat. Like McDonald's like is fucking good. Their life expectancy was thirty years old. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah, like that. We clearly didn't have anything figured out. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, to me, a lot of it comes down to like logic. Where, yeah, it, it seems like the masking simple fix, right? Like. Uh, the stuff I'd imagine that you prescribe most of your people takes work. Like you have to go to the gym, right. you have to either Absolutely. lift weight, you have to do these corrective exercises, you have to move. Maybe mm-hmm. they just have to even walk. Like it takes actual work, and typically work equals results in most things we do in life. Where me going to go lay on a table and so I just have someone put cups on my back is pretty passive in what I have to do. It's lazy as shit, mm-hmm. uh, and that's everything in life, right? And, and again, to this huge circle of Gen Pop. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, okay. Maybe you should do some deadlifts, get a little bit stronger. Maybe you need to go for a walk and get off the couch. Maybe you need to stand up desk. Whatever these other answers are, are difficult. Or do you just go to this, you know, little Timmy over here and he just puts a cup on your back once a week and now everything's fixed. Like, of course they're going to choose that option. Same reason, you know, people take pills over, uh, you know, fixing their diet. They'd rather just take a pill to fix their uh, high cholesterol or their high blood pressure or whatever. And so it, it, it seems logical to me with no you know real education i'm a college dropout but if you look at those things it seems simple why people choose all these you know quote-unquote eastern medicines um even if they did work hypothetically it just always seems like the easy route is the one this gen pop is always choosing right and then what's interesting is so you know on one side it's the gen pop and i'm sitting here in my gym it's you know it's a strength and conditioning gym we have turf field there's i don't really see gym pop people i don't i don't get six-year-olds with back pain in here but so i don't have to that's not a challenge of mine in terms of trying to motivate people to move i work with mostly athletes and so that's where it gets kind of tricky it gets a little hairy because you talk about michael phelps or these different athletes that are doing this they're already covering their bases like michael phelps might he might have gotten caught hitting a bong but he's not lazy you know And (laughs) and so he's already done everything else so for him, cupping is just icing on the cake. And I'll play the devil's advocate to myself and I'll say, well, then what's the big deal? Right. He's already covered all of his other bases. And it's really not that big of a deal. With a lot of this stuff, it, it really what matters is how you frame it to the person that you're using it with. If you tell that person, hey, this is all you need to do, that's a problem. But if you tell that person, hey, this is, this is something that can be helpful and it'll open up the opportunity for you to do other things, then that can actually kind of jive with uh, a model of self-empowerment which is really what we want we don't want passive lazy people yeah yeah the psychology of the whole thing gets obviously very very complicated too because they're they're, you have to take it into account and then when you get the psychology of an elite athlete or even just someone super competitive gets even more complicated because they get all crazy oh man they have so many they have so many superstitions and so many things like that yeah you know i've seen athletes that are literally addicted to dry needling yeah. No, I know all of them. That's why I want to do this episode. Uh, like all my friends who power lift and weight lift and all they do is all oh, backs hurt. I, 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 I haven't dry needled last week. That's why. That's 100% yeah. why my back hurts. I'm like, no, maybe just because you're handling insane amount of volume at the gym. Right. But what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. So I dry needle too. You know, I mean, I, 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 that was like the first thing that I got trained in when I got out of PT school. So I've been doing it for years now. I don't do it every week. I, it's not something that I do regularly. I don't work with any lifters that I see on a weekly basis to dry needle. And that's because I don't frame it in a way that they need it. I work with tons of powerlifters. You know, I've done competitions myself. That's a big part of my my specialty and my expertise here. But I'm like, look, dude, you got to, if you're getting this really high tone in your paraspinals and, and your volume's beating you up, like you got to look 
a little bit, you got to look at these other factors and not just keep putting needles in your back every week. And so, and for me, it's not always the best business model, but quite frankly, I don't enjoy doing it either. Like I don't want to be an acupuncturist. Mm. And so, and so for me, it's like, I don't enjoy doing it. I don't think that it's the best, most ethical way to practice. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciate a little more gray area than some other practitioners who like won't even touch them, uh, won't touch their patients or won't touch dry needles or anything like that. I try to stay a little bit more middle of the road, but at the same time, like, like you said, Mike, like when I see lifters that are in that position, I'm trying to talk about what other things can we affect so that you don't need this every single week. What's the uh, actual like stimulus or, or goal of uh, of a dry needle? Because uh, at least in California, like it's impossible to find someone who does it. I don't know the legality of it, but I know it's a little more strict here. It's really challenging. Yeah, yeah it's what, sketchy. Yeah, what's yeah. what's like the goal of it? Um, what's like the purpose, and why is it uh, one of the few tools you do use? So dry needling started off as an idea. So dry needling, you use the exact same needles as you do for acupuncture. There's no difference between them. Um, the, and now the practice is different. Acupuncture was based off of meridian points. So, you know, those charts where you see that your liver corresponds to being happy or whatever, or your, your <laughs> yeah. big toe, if your big toe hurts, you have kidney disease. Yeah. Hate to break, hate yeah. to break it. And to Venus, you. Is in re- Venus is in retrograde or something of that nature as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, so acupuncture was based off of these meridian points, which obviously are not Western medicine. You know, if you have kidney disease, your doctor, your the nephrologist who has twelve years of training isn't going to look at your foot. Uh, but and if they do, get the hell out of that office. Exactly. Yeah, now. find a get find a new can. one. Save your save yourself. But what we did in the Western medicine world was we said, hey, maybe there's something to these needles. Let's start sticking them in what we are calling trigger points. And everybody's heard of trigger points. Everybody's stuck a lacrosse ball in a trigger point before. And, and uh, what we found was that they can sometimes relieve the sensation of pain in these trigger points and areas. Uh, what we see is the same, the same cascade of effects that I described with cupping, where there's this neurophysiological response. You know, there's a famous paper in, I think it was written in 2009, and it's about the, the effects of manual therapy, and they, they coined the term neuro neurophysiological effect and that's really what happens it it alters our sensation it alters the way we feel we get this sympathetic response you ever get up from like a massage table and your your cheeks are rosy and you and you sweat Mm. you don't know why you sweat you get this sympathetic nervous system response like something does happen but it's probably not what you think it is and it's probably a very generalized effect like i might be able to make that same feeling that same backache go away by dry needling your hamstrings or your glutes. I don't necessarily need to go directly to that spot in your low back. And that's where we see this. It's just more of a general neurophysiological effect of our, of, of our whole person rather than this trigger point that we are specifically going after. Are there any other tools like that that you do use? Uh, I know you said you don't do cupping. Acupuncture is kind of in a, a league of its own. Is there anything like KT tape? I guess we can tackle that a little bit. What, what's the logic behind KT so, tape, and, and do you think it has any application? So we so we see a lot of ACL injuries in here and a lot of ACL surgeries. So so what that means is we work with a lot of swollen knees. We do use KT tape, KT tape some in here to help with swelling on the knee. It helps to open up the area a little bit. But I think that a lot of it's placebo anyways, and it just, you know, the high school kids we're working with appreciate it, whatever, and 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's walking advertisement for physical therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but I, not too I personally don't, <laughs> I personally don't apply it, but, uh, you know, my, my partner here and, and some other physical therapists I've worked with and respect their work do. Um, but am I going to put KT tape on somebody's hamstring when they're, when I don't want them to pull their hamstring? Like, no, that's not going to do it. Yeah. Kind of low hanging fruit. Like why not? Yeah, exactly. Now I do have, you know, we've, we've got a Theragun in here. Mm. Um, I they sent it to me. I've never once tagged them on Instagram, and I don't plan on it. Uh, nice, nice guys, but you know, I was just like, look, this isn't this is a little off brand for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but um, you know, so so I use some things like that to uh, in the physical therapy world we call it alter perception. You know, to to make somebody feel a little bit different. Like if if Mike, if your IT band was tight when you're squatting, and I hit a theragun to it and vibrated the hell out of it it would probably feel better for your next set or two. Sure. You yeah, know, yeah. did I, did I fix it? Was it actually your hip rotation and your shitty glute mead that's causing that problem in the long run? Probably. But if you want to just get under the bar for another set, like that can be helpful. Yeah. While, while uh, hopefully building a plan to fix yeah, the long term. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, so there's, and you know, I've done when I was younger, like, like first started powerlifting, like 2009, 2010, like, I was all over the lacrosse balls and the the foam rollers with the spikes and the mm-hmm. everything and and you know as I've transitioned to a uh, older more cantankerous uh, strength coach and physical therapist I, I don't use that stuff as much don't use it on myself as much don't teach it as much and I think that's just kind of reflecting where the research is going with it too. The thing about KT tape that I've noticed is that it tends to to help cue if you're trying to fix you know, like a postural thing or whatever, or just, yeah, just, it it helps you think about, about moving better, like intentionally moving better. It doesn't really do anything beyond that. I don't think that's like knee sleeves. I think like knee sleeves. I I don't know if there's research, but there should be research. I don't know if knee sleeves are giving these fucking people 50 pounds. Like they think, I think it's just makes you feel a little safer slamming against your fucking patella in the bottom of a squat. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point about the KT tape. It does work as kind of a, a feedback mechanism to a certain extent. If you're trying to, let's say, reduce the ankle from going into inversion or prevent the ankle from going into inversion and you have a KT a piece of tape on the outside of the ankle, it'll stretch the ankle. It'll stretch that tape uh, first and you get that little feedback with mm-hmm. the tape pulling on your skin, theoretically. But, you know, when you're when you have your adrenaline going and you're actually competing, I mean, you're, you're not you're your body's programmed to not sense all those other things. Right, right. I, I guess maybe last, um, what about some kind of stim stuff? Uh, I think that's yeah. maybe the most popular that's in PT places. It, it's for me the one that maybe, which you're about to tell me, either really worked or placeboed me the hardest. Uh, when I was <laughs> when I was in some like really high-volume squat stuff, um, I, w- I would stim every single night, and whether it helped me, you know, with isometric friggin' muscle fiber slamming, or or, or just felt better. Sometimes it just feel like a good massage, and then I'd wake up feeling a little bit more "quote unquote" recovered, or my quads would uh, just be a little less tight. Is there is there any real research behind some of those some of those toys? Yeah, there is. You know, and stim stim is something that of all of these things, partly because it's been around the longest, and also in part because it does have a actual measurable effect on our muscle tissue and it's, it's yes, it's passive, but we, our muscles are contracting. Right. So we see fluid exchange. We see uh, one interesting thing with the stem is that it actually contracts your muscles in the opposite way that we f- normally fire our muscles. So normally if we fire our muscles, we fire low threshold motor units first 
and then so like type one fibers and then we go to type two fibers at a higher threshold you know if you're if you're squatting versus just sitting up and standing down or standing up sitting down whereas stim does the opposite it, it fires those high threshold those type two motor units first and it can just it can also help with you know retraining the muscle so i mentioned acls we see a lot in here stim can be great for helping people to uh, get that biofeedback and contract their quad to a greater degree than maybe they would have otherwise. Um, so there's definitely value in STEM. We use, I would say of all the things that we've discussed here, STEM is what we use the most in, in my clinic. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we talked previous Jim and I about how, yeah. it, it, like you just said, it's not necessarily passive, although it is just putting a sticker on your, on your leg. Uh, it's actually causing your muscles to move where, yeah. you know, something like a cup, you know, is there a purple spot showing that it worked because there's blood there? Sure. Whatever you want to sell in this magazine, but, uh, you know, anytime and and maybe, um, the, the muscle fiber, uh, explanation you just had can play a bigger role in strength and stuff. And I think there is still a Mm -hmm. bunch of research coming out in STEM and, and isometrics. And and that's what I felt. I mean, when I was my strongest, I was obviously many factors. I was eating the most, I was training the hardest, but I was paying attention to all the little things like STEM, kind of like you mentioned with Michael Phelps, when you're (coughs) zoned in and you're covering all your basis um, yeah it's kind of a maybe why not yeah the the issue with all of this stuff and it could you know we kind of pair back to the psychology is don't let these things replace the low-hanging fruit of sleep and food and yeah. you know best practice of life yeah uh you know there's there's countless stories that i hear all the time about people go to physical therapists because they pull the back muscle or whatever. And they literally just sit on a hot pack with a stem with stem hooked up to them for 30 minutes. It's like, that's not the best use of their time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so that's where the challenge lies. And I think it's way more common than we're even talking about here. You know, like how many yeah. power lifters have a world record and you know, they maybe get drunk every weekend and are sleeping three hours and whatever. And then, the whole industry says, well, you know, this guy did it and he's, you know, an alcoholic or, you know, he's doing this or he smokes weed or he doesn't sleep at all or he works 80 hours a week. Like imagine how strong that dude would be if he ate correctly and slept better. That's not like the the, the point here. Well, since we've really brought this beyond the uh, the Eastern stuff, let me ask you one more question. (laughs) What about uh, compression boots and and sleeves and all that stuff? The the, the air air and, and, and ice water loaded ones and all that. Yeah, yeah. So the ice water ones are like the game ready, whereas yeah. uh, Nor- Normatec is the really common vasocompression ones. Yeah, they go distal to proximal, so they would start. So it's a sequential pressure where it would start down at your your feet and kind of work its way up your legs to mm-hmm. theoretically like you're ringing, like you're squeezing the toothpaste out of a toothpaste tube. Mm-hmm. You're trying to pull all that lymph and that fluid out of your legs as much as possible. There is some research behind that stuff. But, you know, a lot of them, it's hard to isolate the variables, too. So, like, the Normatec boots, you feel better, but there's also this vibration aspect to it. There's, like, it's, like, meditative in a way almost. So there's a lot of other stuff going on with those. Um, The compression for, like, game readies for the ice machine, again, a lot of different variables at at play. You've got this hyper-cold stimulus for a little bit, Um, you know, when people have actual issues with, so let's say lymphedema is a complication from if you have lymph nodes removed, mm-hmm. maybe if you had cancer or, or you got radiation, if you have lymphedema, variable compression or, or uh, progressive compression that goes from distal to proximal, so away to towards the heart, is very is essential. It's really important, and it does, quote-unquote, work. But 
a lot of these things come back to if you don't have that actual clinical issue, you might not necessarily need it. Mm. But, you know, I'm full, full disclosure. I'm kind of a nihilist in this field. Like I, we have Normatec boots and I'll get my athletes to use them. I don't use those things on my own. Mm. Like I don't do the, you know, it's like for me, I'm, I'm a little bit old school with this. And I think that there's a lot of expensive, fancy modalities out there and, and if I know my athletes are covering their bases and they're doing everything else, then I'm like, hey, you want to stay for 20 minutes and chill in the boots and, you know, watch some Netflix? Like, we have a we have a lounge in, in the gym. I'm like, do it. So I have no problem with them, but uh, they are not the, a panacea. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like you, too, especially as I've gotten a little bit older and I've already spent thousands of dollars on stupid mm-hmm. supplements and things in my early <laughs> 20s. I don't want to do that anymore. And, and there is, like, research now, you know, like a 10 to 20-minute walk after your training session may, you know, overdo any of these silly things we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Like, you want to get blood out of your legs, sit on the air bike for 10 minutes at, yeah, like, yeah. 18, 18 miles an hour. I mean, it's not... It's not too hard. Yeah, yeah, or an off-day walk, an off-day bike ride. It seems simple. Absolutely. Um, Love. Yeah, easy dog money. walk. Yeah, yeah, easy money. Um, where can people find you, Teddy? Strength Coach Therapy is my Instagram. That's all one word, Strength Coach Therapy. And they can also check out uh, my training company and content. Uh, that's at citizenathletics.com. Sweet, man. Uh, people, follow me. Silent Mike, 2Ks, Instagram, Twitter, all the show. Be sure to give us a rating and review we really appreciate it tell your friends uh new episode every single wednesday i am at the jim mcd on all the social medias the show is 50 percent facts what percent is a word on instagram and twitter and we'll talk to you next week